A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to another edition of the Superfly Podcast, your Toulouse-Lautrecian NBA podcast, because sex workers are people too. And if you don't understand it, just tweet at me and I'll explain it to you. Not the me being a sex worker part, because I'm not. I don't, I don't know anything about sex work. I'm just saying that if you don't understand the joke or the, tro- the drop there, if you don't understand the connection with Toulouse-Lautrec and sex workers, never mind. Oh my God, I've dug myself such a hole. Hey, listen, everybody. It is Tuesday, February 22nd, 2017, and I'm your host, as always, Joe Borelli, coming at you from my studio in Brooklyn. It's good to be back. As you can tell, probably from my voice, I've been pretty sick um, but I think I'm finally, with all the help of the antibiotics, shaking this sinus infection slash cold slash upper respiratory infection slash maybe flu. I don't know. A whole lot of different things combined in the one. But, you know, I'm hoping to feel, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better. I still sound like, um, there's a balloon in my head. Um, or, you know, whatever. I mean, like, if you like my voice like this. Well, then welcome. If this is the first time you're hearing the podcast, this is not how I normally sound, but if this is what you enjoy, then you should just listen to this podcast on an endless loop because I hopefully won't ever sound like this again. Um, Anyway, pleasantries out of the way. Uh, Yeah, you guys can follow along with the show at SoundCloud and Stitcher and iTunes and Google Play, and you can go to the website uh, the superflightpodcast.com. You can email the show at the superflightpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at superflightpod. You can follow me personally at Joe Borelli. And you can go to the Almighty Baller Podcast Network where this podcast is part of. Uh, yeah. Uh, and you can follow there. Just go to abpn.com, I guess, or Almighty Baller Podcast network and follow along there and you can subscribe click and subscribe to all the shows or you can click and subscribe to a few of the shows or you can just follow this show because you love me and i love you and and yeah there's a song there somewhere but anyway how's it going everybody i'm happy to be back i'm happy to have you with me and listen i want to report that listenership is at an all-time high so welcome new friends and old friends and uh yeah it's good to have you here i'm glad we're we're hanging out. This is what I do. So in case you're new to this show, uh, usually about the first 10 minutes of every show, I tell you a story or I, I talk to you about my feelings for the week or talk to you about like what's really important, what's happening in this world and what's happening with me. Um, uh, I feel like I rip off Mark Maron, except for I'm not nearly as good at it and I'm not nearly as interesting and I don't scream into the mic. So um, but having said that, I was, I was hanging out in the studio last night and, you know, my studio in my apartment in Brooklyn has been, it was originally supposed to be an art studio. And for a time it was an art studio because I'm an artist. Um, and I always struggle with this debate, this internal debate with myself about 
are you really an artist if you're not making work? So I make work on occasion and I don't have a gallery anymore and I don't really care. Um, and it's fine. I do miss it sometimes. So like last night I was in the studio and I just started to do, I was like, I'll just do a drawing. I'll just do a portrait. So I tried this really weird thing last night where I, I, I don't have a mirror in my studio, right? So I instead sat in front of my computer like I usually do, like a lazy lump. And I turned on my my camera on my computer. So I'm looking at myself, drawing at my drawing myself. I mean, like you would do it with a mirror, but with the age, aid of modern technology, I was able to use my computer screen as a mirror. Isn't that nice? Isn't it? Isn't it lovely? Just a little, a little story for you about how computers are going to run in the world and take over everything. Um, but and I was doing it in in the medium of charcoal. I don't know if anyone out there is a uh, a artist, an artist or a drawer, or just you know likes to doodle around. But I love working with charcoal. It's my easily my favorite medium because I'm really bad with color. Um, but I'm really good in black and white and I'm also very lazy. So charcoal works out perfectly in me because you can be for, yeah, it works out perfectly for me. Sorry, because you can make these broad areas of uh, planar sort of drawing with with very few strokes. There's the economy of line, the economy of stroke. And it's, for me, it's just, it's, it's amazing because I am a very planar drawer. I know this is getting way off the beaten path here. This has nothing to do. It's not even tangentially like related to the NBA. Um, but, uh, working with charcoal for me is a very, um, I'm a very planarly drawer, which means that I sort of draw in shapes. I sort of see things in 3d, um, rather than just flat surface. And so working with charcoal allows me to do these things really quickly. Anyway, the point of the story is like, okay, so I used, I used the, uh, modern technology to aid myself in, uh, in, in my art. And it was the first time I'd ever done anything like this. It was interesting. It was just like, I'm obviously, I should have had lighting set up to give me more contrast because the drawing, I, I kind of had to make it up on my own where the light was coming from because it was an overall room light. Things you don't really think about unless you're doing a drawing. Um, and I should have had like a direct light source because it makes it way easier to uh, sort of build shapes through positive and, and negative or through, you know, light and dark. Um, why am I telling you guys this? This is not an, an art. This is not an art lesson. Sorry. You're not in the studio of Joe Borelli. Uh, the whole point of this was that I was doing this last night and I rediscovered uh, sort of a love, you know, like obviously I, okay. So I am, um, I, I'm an artist. I have, um, 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 you know, degrees in art anyway, it doesn't matter. But the, the point is that like, I just wanted to share with you guys that like, it's, it's something that I've done for many, many, many years, but also it's something that really requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of muscle memory. It requires a lot of practice. Like you, like this is something that's innate. It's part of my makeup. It's part of my chemical makeup that allows me to be able to do things and see things like this. It's part of my being of who I am in the same way that you as a writer or you as an, as an athlete or you as a, um, a scientist or you as a, um, a politician, like these are things or a salesperson. These are things in your personality. These are things in your genetic makeup that predispose you to certain types of behaviors or certain types of seeing the world in a way, in a way that the rest of us don't. Right. 
so for me, it just happens to be more art centric. And, um, I was just working on doing this and I, I just discovered a love of mine, which is drawing it. I just, it made me feel really good. And, uh, like, in a, in a, in a weird way, like it's so, let me, let me say this, like, it's also a skill. It's also in the way of like the NBA, like it's, a, it's like all these NBA guys there and, and WNBA girls, they're all naturally predisposed to be able to do these things. They understand the game. They understand how to move, have body control and be able to jump really high and, and understand the game and like excel at it in a way that most other people can't. But they also have to work really, really hard at it. And when I picked up this, I, like I didn't get anywhere near finishing this drawing last night. But when I picked it up and I realized like, oh my God, I am so out of practice. I haven't drawn anything in at least six months. I haven't painted anything in over a year. Um, it's it's a, it's just like everything, like practicing a language. Like my grandmother, who I'm all over the place, I'm sorry. But my grandmother who passed away a few years ago, I loved dearly. She spoke Italian most of her life. And at the time of her death, she could no longer speak Italian. She could only speak English because she had no one to practice with anymore. It's something similar to that. My point is that um, it's just, it, it was, I'm glad it hasn't left me totally, but I really need to work more at it. And I need to do it for the love of me and for the love of the thing. So here's the thing, people. If you have something that you've done, like say you played flute when you were in high school and you go out and you grab your flute and play it again, you're probably going to be really bad at it, but you should totally do it because there's this thing called art for art's sake or music for music's sake or anything for the sake of itself, for the sake of you to be honest with who you are. If you're a speech writer, go write a really good speech. If you haven't done it in a while and you've been putting it on the back burner because you have other life obligations, just try and write something. It'll feel great. If you're if you're a musician, go pick up your guitar. Go pick up your flute. Go do it. It's going to feel so good. It's like an old friend that has never really left you, but you thought maybe it did. Um, I'm not even that far removed from drawing I, I should still be doing it more and I've always put this crazy amount of pressure on myself to succeed at whatever I do so it kind of kills that for me but it also is very meditative and it's another way to forget about the distractions and the sadness of what's happening in the world right now uh, all over the world not just here um, anyway you know I, I try and be uplifting. I don't know if that's uplifting, but listen, if you have something that you do that you feel really confident in, that gave you pleasure in life, that made you happy, that just gave you some sort of joy, go do it again. Even if you're not going to do it for all of, you know, if you do yoga and you really enjoy doing yoga, go do it. It's fun. Spring is almost here to make you feel alive. Anyways, this has nothing to do with anything. Uh, I just thought I would relate a little story to you guys this week and gals because I had nothing else to talk about. So I just wanted to tell you about uh, the interesting little sort of evening that I had last night in the studio. It was refreshing and I I would say that you should all try something and uh, that you haven't done in a while and, and go back and find it again. Because listen... Our lives are really just about these moments and these, these, to me, this was a precious little moment, even if it was something that, uh, I may not go back to again anytime soon, but I probably will. So that's good. Um, anyway, listen, tonight, Damon Rangula is going to come on and talk about his Lakers and the craziness that's happening right now with Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss being fired and, and Magic Johnson and, uh, their new GM coming on. I forget his name right now, but you'll hear it. It comes back to me in a heartbeat. Uh, anyway. Listen, hang tight, hang out, enjoy my stupid little story, and uh, I'll be right back after these messages. (laughs) 
Today's sponsor of the Superflight Podcast is Draft Daily Fantasy. Do you play Daily Fantasy? If so, you should be playing on Draft. Get this, your chances of winning on Draft are almost three times better than on FanDuel or DraftKings. The data shows almost 90% of players lose on DraftKings, and on FanDuel, only 40% of the money goes to just 1% of the players. If you're not a pro and not spending hours a day on fantasy, you should be playing on Draft. It's statistically proven you'll win more often. On Draft Daily Fantasy app, you do a simple snake draft, just like at the beginning of your season-long league. You can do drafts whenever you want, and they last for just one day, and they take only minutes to complete. So join me and download Draft now. Just search Draft in the App Store on your tablet or smartphone. Be sure to enter promo code ABPN when you download, and you'll get a 100% bonus up to $600 when you deposit. Again, search Draft in the App Store, and be sure to enter the promo code ABPN. Okay, now back to the show. All right, so we're recording now. Okay, anyway, let's do this. Damon Rangola, how how are you, my friend? Welcome back to the show. It's always a pleasure Good. to have you. Thanks for having me, man. Today is a crazy, crazy day. Yeah, it really is. You know, and since we're both on a time schedule here, we're not even going to talk about the Boogie Cousins trade. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of time to dissect that with plenty of people. Um, By the way, just just isn't it crazy how like that just like <laughs> oh that's that just as a it's like a small part of the craziness right now. Yeah, it's it pretty crazy. It's like a lot. You know, I was I almost tweeted this today because I, I was at work, so I forgot to. But um, I was about to say my two favorite holidays are Halloween and, and trade deadline day. It's the best. <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's so much fun. And I kind of almost feel bad about it because I feel like I'm just like, um, you know, those people that gets happy when other people are sad like i feel really bad for <laughs> kings fans i do i mean i mean i'm even upset about that trade although it's great for the sixers but we're not really going to talk about this we're talking about the lakers but but man that is it's just so much fun i'm like i i i just want to talk about it it's crazy but listen let's uh you're here to talk about your favorite team the lakers let's talk about yes. the lakers so um amidst all this craziness the lakers have made a le- finally yeah blah finally made a trade in the front office and they uh Jeannie Buss got rid of um her brother Jim and Mitch Kupchak and uh what are your thoughts about that real quick um well so I think what is it's it's obviously complex right there are plenty of good things that Mitch Kupchak specifically has done and Jim Buss right it's it's you can't isolate them it's unfair to both um and it's easy to forget, but Mitch Kupchak has been a part of the team for 27 years now. Hmm. And I, I've never really known the Lakers without Mitch Kupchak. And Mitch Kupchak gets credit for putting together the championship teams. Um, easy to forget that, you know, the Lakers won a championship in 2010, which is not that far uh, far ago. Yeah. And, yeah, there are plenty of things. And, and I think you had me on and I... I been really upset about the Mozgov deal and the Deng deal and things like that and and there have been some missed opportunities no doubt but um and and so I understand the need for change I, I do question the timing of everything we're now you know two days before the trade deadline and the Lakers have even made a trade today and it just it seems odd to make such a big deal right now like such a big such a big change but at the same time uh I do commend uh Jeannie Buss for Although I'm not a fan of the process and the way it was done and the way Magic Johnson kind of, you know, 
it, 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 he came on as an advisor just three weeks ago and it started talking about in national interviews that he wanted to actually take over. And it was just not very well handled. Mm -hmm. But I do credit her for taking decisive action, right? It's not an easy thing to uh, fire your brother. It's not an easy yeah, thing sure. to, you know, to, to make these kinds of decisions. It was not, you know, uh, it, it's something obviously I know she probably did not take lightly. Mm -hmm. And letting Mitch Kupchak go and, and kind of making that wholesale change. I, and it, again, I have no problem because I, I, I think if you're going to make a change, make a wholesale change, and that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, and it seems like, you know, they were in need of some 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 movement regardless. It seems like it's, as you said, Kupchak's been there for 27 years. I think it's time to bring in some fresh perspective. They've been striking out on free agent signings. And honestly, it looks a little bit like they might have struck out on the draft a few times in a row now, too. So, oh, it, I see that. That's where I'll disagree. I, I think and even the free agent thing, free agents are only going to join a team if they're good. Right. Right. There's a natural rebuilding process. How long have the Lakers really been rebuilding? Two years, three years. Oh, come on. How long? Come on. Come on. Let's be honest. What? It's been at least four. OK, so they they went after Dwight Howard and Steve Nash. That was four years ago. Right. 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 Five, four years ago. Right. So that didn't work. But nobody, no GM in the league, not any GM in the league is turning down uh, Steve Nash and Dwight Howard to go for it one last time with Kobe. Oh, right. right. Of course. I'm not so, saying so that. So when it doesn't work so circumstantially, and I disagree, if, uh, the, I think that they've done very well in the draft, actually. And we can talk about that. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I mean, maybe it's unfair of me to say that they haven't done well in the draft because honestly, I think they did pick the best players that were available to them at those spots. That's that's the only job that they have, right? Yeah, exactly. And you can't, I mean, based on your draft rankings, like even if these guys that are diamonds in the rough come out of nowhere and, and end up, you know, exceeding expectations like Ola Porzingis. Like you, you don't know that's going to happen. So you, you well, draft and, and they've they've hit on those two. Jordan Clarkson was forty sixth. Yeah, uh, Larry Nance Jr. twenty seventh. Mm -hmm. You know, so they've done that as well. So they've done well in the draft. Well, we're we're jumping ahead, but yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we'll come back. I, to it. We'll I, come as back. you can tell, I'm I'm fired up. So. No, yeah, I know. I could. Tell. That's why I had to get you on here. Like I was like, I gotta, I gotta talk to Domin. Yes, um, for sure. Um, I feel like I'm I'm feeding back here somehow. I feel like there's a loop. Can you? Am I feeding back through? Do you have your speakers on? Um, should not be. No. Huh. Weird. Anyway, uh, so what was I? I can I can edit all that out. Don't worry. <laughs> no, 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 don't don't worry about it. It's um, natural. Yeah, but so speaking of Magic Johnson, like Magic Johnson's in now as you know what? Hold on one second. Let me pause this. This is making. No um. Anyway, speaking of Magic Johnson, so Magic Johnson has he was just brought in like three weeks ago. You were saying as as a consultant and i think everyone saw the writing on the wall i immediately sure. i immediately texted you or tweeted at you one of the, one of the one of the two as soon as the news dropped and i'm like well this seems like to be signaling the beginning of the end for jim bus and uh here, lo and behold here we go so magic johnson is in as the president of basketball operations and he is wasting absolutely no time getting things done so i mean we can talk about the idea of magic johnson being um you know, qualified to do this job. I mean, he's he he was one of the greatest, probably top five players of all time, right? Does that necessarily make you qualified to be a good GM or good president of a team? You know, weirdly weirdly speaking, um, I'm more encouraged by what Magic Johnson has done in his business life and and with the Dodgers as well, because I I do think, you know, beyond the 
comparisons to people like Phil Jackson and when Michael Jordan was in management and all that, right? The, oh, the ex-player going to uh, to to run basketball. Uh, Magic Johnson in his businesses that he's been arguably, and this is crazy to say, but arguably maybe even more successful than even basketball, what he's consistently done is surrounded himself by smart people uh, and he's embraced kind of, you know, doing things by committee and learning from other people. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think obviously another thing we're going to talk about is the general manager he just hired. Mm-hmm. This general, uh, Rob Polinka is a heavyweight and he's not leaving his agency. He's not divesting his businesses just well, to come to be Magic Johnson's yes man. Right. 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 And, and, and so I think <clears throat> what Magic Johnson is doing right now and, and what I think, so, so here's the best case scenario where, Ryan West is Jerry West's son, who's been an assistant GM and who's very, very highly regarded. He's kind of the player personnel guy. You have Jesse Buss, who's been running draft. You have Rob Polinka, who's just hired today as a GM, as the kind of wheeling and dealing, the guy who's who's connected to all the agents and connected to all the other GMs already. Mm-hmm. And then you have Magic Johnson as the face of the franchise, kind of shaping direction and uh, making those big kind of big picture final decisions like okay everything is lined up the way we want it now you have to give the final green light that is based off uh you know early reporting from people like uh adrian wojnarowski ramona shelburne baxter holmes all these guys who are very plugged in that's what the structure seeming seemingly will be from that perspective i think magic's qualified to do that now before the rob polinka hiring as gm and I, I was very concerned. I was very concerned as soon as he came on as an advisor because it it there was a possibility where he would be the one saying, No, 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 I got this. Right. And but but that runs counter to everything he's done in business. You know, that's just that was just me being, you know, a hysterical fan basically, where he's just worried, always thinking the worst case scenario. But if he runs the Lakers like he runs his businesses, I think that this will be a net big positive. Well, I'm a little bit scared about that. I'm a little bit scared about that whole idea. And here's why. People said the exact same thing about our current president. If he runs the country yes. like he runs his businesses, we're going to be in great shape. He's going to bring all the jobs back. No, you know, like, It's been a freaking disaster. And it's only a month in. Okay, we're not going politics. I'm sorry. Um, and then, but, but in that regard, I will say... Um, because uh, Lakers fans, you know, uh, when we're kind of joking around, you know, Twitter's great for jokes. And when uh, Magic was doing his early rounds on the interviews, uh, there were a lot of parallels drawn between our current president and him. But, you know, jokes aside, running the Lakers is running a business. It's not like running a country, no doubt. Right. And you have to have a certain amount of disconnect to your, you know, your players. You have to sort of run because the Lakers is a business. It's the yes. NBA is ultimately a business. You You know, you can get involved with your players you can start to care them care about them as people but you ultimately have to look at this as a business the one thing that is encouraging to me is what you mentioned earlier about how magic johnson is willing to uh listen to other people how he he learns by committee and that's really encouraging and the fact that he's brought in rob Polinka as his his gm right off the bat that's you know it's really encouraging if you're a lakers fan yeah, and they they wasted you know to their credit, uh, and like I said about Genie being bold and decisive, they they are not waiting. I mean this no, they wasted no time at all. This Polinka hire, I mean, obviously has been in the works for some time now. Again, I can't emphasize enough how big of a deal it is that you know a premier agent is completely detaching himself from his very very successful business 
to be with the Lakers, it's a huge, huge undertaking. And uh, again, this is this is not he would not do this for every job in the league to put it that to put it uh, you know in that way. Right, and as you mentioned already too, Palenka is completely connected with a lot of GMs in the league. He's yes. got he's some of his clients are are James Harden and right. who else? Uh, Help me out here, man. I, I just sent Eric, you the list. Uh, Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon. <laughs> Eric Gordon. Uh, Andre, Risa, Andre, right, Godala, Andre Godala. One of my favorite players. Yep. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to edit that part out too. I'm like <laughs> just full of editing things out. And I'm going to have no podcast left after this. <laughs> um, this is what happens when you rush to get things done right before yes. right before you have to go to work and right after I get home. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, like, you know, for me... Um, like, I love the NBA. I'm a huge fan of the NBA. And, of course, I'm a giant Sixers fan. And I've historically, as much as I love you as a person and appreciate you coming on the show, I hate your team. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm both, I'm like, I'm, you know, as, a, as an NBA fan, I'm both really excited about this and a little bit scared, man. Like, I'm scared for the idea that this could go horribly wrong because it does seem like it was handled like, why are you doing this? Right after, like two days before the trade deadline, right after the All-Star game, you have, what, how many weeks left in the season? Uh, yeah, it's like, uh, it'll be done where mid, mid-March, mid almost like six weeks, five weeks. Yeah, it, it does seem, though, that maybe the thinking was that like, oh, hey, this Boogie Cousins trade went down. There's nothing we could possibly do to top that. <laughs> like, but let's just pull and, the plug and, and now. That was part of it. So, you know, and, and l- w- one thing that we... You know, Mitch Kupchak has been such a good kind of pillar for the franchise. Uh, rumor was that right as the deadline was coming down, uh, the Kings would have taken uh, the Lakers' offer. Oh, well, if if the Lakers offered Ingram, they would have taken that. Mm-hmm. And to Mitch Kupchak's credit, he had to know. I mean, the writing was on the wall. He still stood strong in, in his process and in his, you know, long-term vision of the team to say, no, we will not do that. Because, look— that's a fascinating what if. What if the Lakers acquired DeMarcus Cousins? Does all this happen? It, it's 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 fascinating to me. Right. And honestly, I think that's true. I think that was probably the cam- the straw that broke the camel's back, as they say, uh, or the camel that brought the straw. I don't, you know, I, don't, I don't know how these things go. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at cliches. Um, but it seems like that was the last thing. That was your chance to redeem yourself and get the franchise moving in a good direction. And because listen, we talked a couple of times already this season about, about your Lakers team, about this Lakers team. Like they started out the season, they were hot and they were, it seemed like, okay, they're going to turn the corner. They did a really good job drafting, which, you know, what I said was a debatable earlier that maybe they didn't draft that well, but again, they took probably the best picks they could. And it looked like, you know, they had a really good coach it looked like we we're finally going to take that step. And then all of a sudden, the wheels just fell off. And I think at some point, being because they're the Lakers and they're the most well-known team probably in the entire league for the last, I don't know, 40 years, at some point, the leash gets a little short. And it has to be, listen, we have to make a change. This, this, It started out well. It was going well. And now it's not going well. We need to do something. Right. So, and and I, I think so the the... The big thing was this summer, and I, I disagree with the notion that, oh, they should have gotten some free agents like Marcus Aldridge or something like that. But what I will say is is misjudging the market as badly as they did on the free agents, uh, just it, it's it's it was a sign that whatever was going on with the front office, uh, whatever their methodology was, whatever their whatever their process was, 
was flawed. And so the decision to to move on for Mitch and Jim is is perfectly okay by me. The the way it was handled, if this was done four weeks ago, nobody's complaining, mm-hmm. right? Uh, right. It, it's just it's just the way everything came together. Uh, it leaves a little bit of a bad taste in the mouth, and especially given how uh, respected Mitch Kupchak is in, in the Lakers community. Um, but yeah, I I I, I agree. It, a, a change uh, being made is not uh, a bad thing here. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> and I think Mitch Kupchak will be fine. I, I worry about Jim Buzz. <laughs> well, you know, his, the, the weird thing is, I mean, he's he's fine. He's still a part owner of the Lakers, and yeah. he's he he doesn't you know he he doesn't need anything. I mean, he doesn't need a salary or anything like that. He's he's doing just fine. Yeah, that's true. That's a good. I don't I don't worry about either of them actually. What yeah, am I talking exactly. about? <laughs> but anyway, speaking of um. Speaking of the new GM, now I don't even—I would imagine that either Genie or Magic Johnson or somebody did this, but the Lakers just traded Sweet Lou Williams. I like calling him Sweet Lou. He used to be Sweet Lou yeah. when he was in Philly. They just traded him to Houston for Corey Brewer in a first-round pick, which is going to end up being like a late first-round, like twenty-something right. um, pick. What are your thoughts about that? They're obviously so. Here's my first thought. Like as a Sixers fan, obviously their top the Sixers have their pick if it falls outside of the top three. Right. This is an obvious we need to keep our pick kind of move. And it's it's actually very smart. And I thought they were doing this before that anyway. Um yes. they I mean, like I was just saying, they the season all of a sudden fell apart. But the kind the writing was kind of on the wall as soon as we realized that like, you know, that Mozgov signing was as bad as everyone thought it was. Um they had to start tanking. They just had to. There's no way they could lose that pick in yeah. this draft. No, I, you know, you know, um, the Lakers have actually kind of already had started doing that in terms of playing the young guys more. Um, they actually, uh, Mozgov had not been playing uh, for the last, you know, I don't even know, five, six, seven games. Luol Deng went to the bench. Uh, mm-hmm. They're starting Ingram. They're playing uh, Zubac more minutes. And so they're already in the process. But yeah, Lou Williams was uh, the clearest candidate to get dealt. A, because... Uh, he's on a great contract. He's playing really well, and uh, plenty of teams could use him. Now, Houston themselves, they have enough scoring. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised that they were the team to do it, but honestly, uh, evaluating the their return, Corey Brewer is not going to be a factor in this deal. It was all about that first rounder. Yeah. And just, uh, just today, I mean, Zach Lowe and uh, Mark Stein did a podcast, and Zach Lowe estimated that the return for Lou Williams would be two second rounders because, you know, the the trading a first rounder is not a guaranteed uh, thing. And Houston offered the first rounder, so you go for it. Uh, you know, the last time uh, the Lakers acquired a Houston first rounder, it was in the Jeremy Lin salary dump. And that pick became Larry Nance Jr. So you, you never know about these things. And on top of it, the Lakers are unable to trade their first rounder that's protected that uh, will go to the Sixers. They're unable to trade it because obviously the chances are still that the Lakers don't keep it. Even if they finish with a, you know, bottom three record, there's no guarantee. Right. Uh, But this is just, at least they have another asset now in this Houston pick. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I did listen to that Zach Lowe podcast. It was really good. I I, I always love listening to Zach Lowe. Anyway, (laughs) uh, I was saying to you earlier, you are the the Howard Beck to my Zach Lowe. So thank you. (laughs) Um, But anyway, um, 
Yeah, so so Lou Williams gone, and I actually really like that signing for Houston. I think he's going to be great for them off the bench. Man, if you want to talk about a team who's just poised to score and you know outscore you, that's the team right now. Lou can score from anywhere, and he's so good at drawing that that offensive foul or that foul when he's shooting a three point shot. He'll just lean in to the defender, and you know I don't know if that's going right. to work in the playoffs. But anyways, I, I always like Lou Williams. He's not he's trash on defense, but he's a great scorer and he's a great team guy. And he's full of energy. It's really, you know, I love him. Um, yeah, one and and one important thing, uh, Lou Williams has. Uh, <laughs> Lakers fans have wanted Lou Williams traded for some time now, just because. And and this is gonna probably go into our next discussion, but Lou Williams is almost too good for this team in the sense that he knows he's the best scoring option. He knew it, and because of that. Lou Williams is going to go out as a, any player to go out and win. And Luke Walton himself is going to coach to win. So Lou Williams monopolized a lot of possessions. And it actually kind of a little bit to the detriment of players like D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson, who A, weren't getting enough minutes, and B, they weren't getting enough opportunities to create because Lou Williams is he's a dominant force, especially being the only veteran on the team. You know, there's plenty of situations in a game where a young team is like stuck, where they're like, okay, we're in a slump, we haven't scored in three minutes, or there's four seconds left on the shot clock. It's just get it to Lou, get it to Lou, get mm-hmm. it to Lou. That security blanket is now gone, and and now it'll be up to the young players to step up and fill that void. Wait, man, you're forgetting about Swaggy P. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> he's been really hey, he's been really good too. He's had a really good year, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's had a really good Swaggy P year. We should <laughs> we should put an asterisk on that. No, oh, he's 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 been he's been very good actually. He's been, bite your his, his his defense. <laughs> His defense has been overstated, uh, especially from early in the year. Yeah, but he's been a solid scorer, and he's uh, he's he's filled his role nicely. Yeah, I, I shouldn't rag on him. He's he's been much much improved this year. He's done. Hey, look, I mean, honestly, he's he. It's it, it's amazing because at the end of last year, uh, it really looked like he was maybe even out of the league, and and he's really turned it around. Um, and yeah, kudos to him. For sure. So here's my question to you. Do you think Swaggy P is the next uh, person to get out the door? The next domino to fall, I guess, as they no, say? No, I, I, I really think that Lou Williams is going to be it. I think in the summer, uh, depending on how things go in the summer, he's definitely somebody who, who could possibly be dealt. But uh, I, I don't know his contract situation. He might actually have a player option for next year. So I, at this stage he might not exercise it to try to get a deal. So he might actually leave anyways in the summer, but if he exercises player option, he'll be a valuable trade asset next year. Yeah. Fair. Um, <clears throat> you know, and they, they have to hold on to something, right? They have to keep something for trade. Um, what do you think their next move is? I mean, they're obviously putting it in the tank. They're, they're going to try at, as best as they can to keep that pick, which they should do. They should do anyways, because listen, D'Angelo Russell is fine. But I don't think he's a superstar. Brandon Ingram, we don't know what he's going to be yet. I mean, he has a whole lot of potential, but is he the guy you build around? The other thing that was making me think, like, if they get that top three pick, and this is such a guard-heavy draft, do you think it makes D'Angelo Russell expendable? Does it make him a little nervous? And, like, do you think maybe they just trade him now and look for a really high return? No, I I, I don't, because uh, I think that, so D'Angelo Russell's minutes have been low again this year. He was playing really, really well. He got hurt early in the year. That's actually when when the Lakers went ten to ten. Uh, although he was uh, he wasn't great then either. Um, 
his injury really derailed a lot of the uh, Lakers' offense. If you look at their roster, there's nobody else on the team to create a shot. So D'Angelo Russell's personal shooting numbers don't look good because he doesn't actually take that many opportunities. His on-off numbers, if you look at it, uh, uh, especially now with Lou gone, D'Angelo Russell's value will be more apparent than ever. Uh, there's this guy uh, named Pete. Uh, he, he's uh, Twitter at Laker Film Room. He's he's really 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 smart. He does a lot of film analysis, and he's very very high on D'Angelo Russell because of all the things he creates. Also, at his age, uh, out of point guards, it's like there's basically nobody at his age who's doing his per 36 numbers. So I think D'Angelo Russell, like many point guards, take instead of one to two, maybe they take three to four years to fully develop. And I think with Lou Williams gone, uh, I think with the Lakers more focused now, at least down the stretch, to completely embrace kind of the youth movement, uh, I think that even if they keep their top three pick and they draft a guard, I think D'Angelo Russell is basically, he's a one slash two. So if you bring in somebody, they can play very well with D'Angelo Russell. Last year, D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson had a great chemistry together, and both of them shared playmaking abilities, and both of them were for the better for it. And I do think that uh, if, if, if a guard comes in, I think him and D'Angelo Russell can play very, very well together because if you trade D'Angelo Russell now, you're honestly not going to get proper return. I think if you keep developing D'Angelo Russell and you are lucky enough to get a, a you know one of these top point guards in, in this year's draft, you can develop both of them together. You don't need to rush into trading them because D'Angelo Russell can work very well. In fact, D'Angelo Russell is like one of the best playmakers on the team. He's actually also one of the only catch-and-shoot players on the team. When he's put in catch-and-shoot opportunities, which the Lakers don't run enough of for D'Angelo Russell, mm -hmm. he's like the best on the team. So who's creating for D'Angelo Russell? Nobody right now. But you could have the next guy who's coming in in the draft do that. So I think he's flexible enough and he's 6'5", so he's a little bit bigger too. So he can play the two position as well. I think right now, to honestly, between D'Angelo Russell and Brandon Ingram, I would declare both of those untouchable. After that, I'm flexible to anything. <clears throat> well, speaking of anything, how about that? I think what you guys really need is a young center. <laughs> you know, How dare you? You see where I'm going with this, right? Every time we, we talk, Zubak. We Zubak. <laughs> ah, no. I'm good. How about How about Julio Okafor? What do you You know, what do you think about that? I've heard some rumors. <laughs> I, I love I I, I love uh, I, I love how he was basically traded, and now he's just in no man's land. Oh my god, I feel so bad for him. I was talking to uh, I forget who I was talking to, but like, um, man, talk about like is he, this is the guy that everyone wanted off the team, right? And this is yeah. just a quick aside. We're still talking about the Lakers here, but everyone saw that he's not a good fit for this team. Everyone wanted Okafor gone because he's he's a negative for the team when he like he just does not work with their scheme. He does not work the way they play. He is bad for the Sixers. I'm not saying he's a bad person. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I have the I have a firm belief that he can improve. He's definitely going to improve offensively, and I think he can improve defensively. I don't think he'll ever be a defensive stalwart, but. Listen, everyone in Philadelphia was like, you have to move him. You have to get rid of him. We, we need him to go. And then people were starting to like really resent Julio Okafor. Well, listen, if, if you want to turn some 
some feelings around and, and garner some sympathy for your guy who everyone wanted to see go. Why don't you just like sit him at home for a couple of games and tell everyone he's leaving and then bring him back? Like everyone's like, oh my God, what a bad look. I feel so bad for that guy. Oh, like <laughs> I, I, I honestly, it's it. It was the most bizarre thing because that deal looked like it was done. Yeah. And they turn around and basically make that package and make it a little bit sweeter and they get DeMarcus Cousins out of it. It's amazing. Well, uh, yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's, oh my God. Do you want to talk about the DeMarcus Cousins thing? I don't know if we yeah, should. We, but we should. No, no, should. We, we should. All we right, should. let's it's, do it. It's, crazy. it's still, it's still like, yes, the Lakers are the story of the day, but that's still just crazy, man. All right, so it's for anybody who's listening to this who doesn't already know, because you know five people that listen to this are apparently hiding under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> the the Pelicans traded for Demarcus Cousins and got him, and they all they gave up was Buddy Heald, Tyreek Evans. Um, there was a third person in there, and then a first round pick, late first round pick, or mid se- no mid yeah, mid, mid first round, round and pick, then second and round. a second round pick. Right. Um, that's all they got. That's all the Kings got. And there are so many angles to this. I understand that Vivek Ranadive, the Kings owner, really fancies him some uh, somebody Buddy healed. healed. Yeah. And thinks basically he can... like if yeah, he's he's I, I think they're interpreting it as like, okay, he's basically like like a first rounder. Well, he was a first rounder, right? Right. I mean, no, I'm saying, like, in terms of in, when yeah, we like right. when we count what they get, it's like okay, they're considering it two first round picks, right, right? Right, right. But that's not what they got. Nope. <laughs> nope. No, Buddy Hield is fine. Buddy Hield is a good player. He's he'll probably he's but he's right now at this point he's a borderline starter. I mean, he'll ultimately I see him as a sixth sixth man candidate one day because he can shoot right. I don't think he can do right. much else. Um, and no, no knock against Buddy Hill. I'm rooting for Buddy Hill. I like I like everything I've heard about him, but I just don't think he's your franchise guy. I could be wrong. Who knows? I'm not a player scout. But the fact that all they got for DeMarcus Cousins, who is probably the best center in the league right now, or at least the top, he's in the top three, right? Um, all they got was Buddy Hill, a mid-first-round pick, which is not even going to be a lottery pick, and some throw-in players. You you've got to be kidding me! And the fact that they did it during during the All Star break, essentially, like they announced it right after the All Star game was over, it just it just is so bizarre to me. I still can't wrap my head around this. And on top of that, oh my god, I feel so bad for Kings fans. Can you imagine the hell they're in right now? Like I know for Lakers fans, it's been rough the last couple of years, especially for a, for a franchise that has been used to winning for, I don't know how many years and years and years upon end. You can speak to that better than I can. That must suck. But imagine being a Kings fan, man, like you're already bad and there is no way out. And then they're going to go and trade the best player and get even worse. And here's the kicker. If they had, if their pick went 10 or worse, they owed it to the bulls. If, if it's better, if it lands like um, better than the Sixers pick, they owe it to the Sixers. The Sixers right. can just swap. So they have right. no incentive, none, to be bad this year. They have no incentive because if that pick lands, can you imagine if the Kings win the lottery and get the first overall pick? Guess who gets that pick? The Sixers. It's what amazing. are they doing? It really is amazing. And after all this time where they were so heavy into, like Vivek was 
I'm not trading DeMarcus. DeMarcus is going to be here. We're going to sign him to the new player max, which is $210 million over five years, more than anybody else can give him, which is also probably part of the reason they traded him, right? But after coming out adamantly saying he wanted he wanted Boogie to be there, he's not trading him just like that. They flip and they go and trade. And it's just the most bizarre behavior. Just speak to this before I keep rambling all night. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, I mean, you covered a lot of ground there. I think that they made the decision. Um, it, it seems like it, it all happened very quickly. But the truth is, is if they didn't do it now, uh, they would have signed DeMarcus Cousins to the extension this summer. And as soon as you sign that deal, you can't trade the player that you just signed to that designated player uh, contract for a full year. So yeah. they would essentially be locking themselves into a year and a half. So that sticker shock of that contract probably got to them. On top of it, you know, their assessment that Buddy Heald is like, a, you know, a really, really good player bought into this. It, I, it's it's amazing because I, I always expected Boston to step up here, but it's clear that either they have a bigger deal in the works for somebody like Jimmy Butler or Paul George, or the fact that they didn't want to take the risk, and that's part of it, right? Uh, teams didn't want to take the risk for DeMarcus Cousins because of his character and, uh, like, you know, issues and, you know, locker room issues and all that. Um, New Orleans is a logical kind of case because they wanted to put a center next to Anthony Davis, they didn't want Anthony Davis to play the five because it's Davis and DeMarcus Cousins are friends. They both went to Kentucky, so they have a connection. And it was the return was not great, no question. But I think that their ideal situation was maybe to trade him last summer. Yeah. But the truth is, I think that they thought, okay, George Carl was a problem, so let's bring in Dave Yeager. And because he was having the same problems with Dave Yeager. Uh, they made that decision. And it sucks for Kings fans. Uh, you rightfully said it really, really, really sucks for Kings fans. But the truth is, is what would have been worse if they signed DeMarcus Cousins to that deal and had, you know, five more years of the same? Or do you kind of just pull the plug? And and look, if Buddy Hield actually turns out to be really good or if this pick that they get turns out to be good, that's fine. But like you said, that 76ers pick is looming over them. Uh, you know, Sam Henke keeps giving gifts from the grave. <laughs> he died for our sins. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> I love that. This is the best thing ever. Um, there's so many levels to this. I mean, it's like an onion. You can just keep peeling. For starters, um, fine. All this happened. Let's just, let's just do this real quick. This all happened. It was a, it was a terrible trade for the Kings. Um, they got like 30 cents on the dollar, right? That's fine. Give Kings fans time. They can probably digest it and say that, yes, we traded him because we needed to. The Kings weren't willing to put, he's had issues. He's had attitude problems this entire time. You said about, um, uh, sorry, the coach, George Carl. You said that they thought he was a problem. He's not just a problem for them. Based on that book that he put out, he's a problem for humanity. So anyway, oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. But they, it's the timing that kills me. So, he, you know, the the Kings fans, like, you give them a couple minutes, they can probably digest it and say that, like, hey, maybe the guys, maybe they can actually build, like, sort of a culture, a friendly culture, because it seems that DeMarcus Cousins held everyone hostage, and they had to walk on eggshells around him. So, okay, so maybe it's addition by subtraction, right? The most they've ever won in his seven years of being there, or six, seven, seven years of being there, 
was yeah. 33 wins, right? That was the that was the high water mark. So, okay, remove him. All that fine fine. You, like if you're a Kings fan, you could probably accept it. And then and then Lottie comes out and says, I had a better deal two days ago in the media. And just he just he just comes out and says it. And everybody's like, What? Like, dude, just stop talking. You're not I know. I, I'm sure he's a, I, I from everything I've heard, he's the most awesome, like wonderful, caring, charismatic person. But that doesn't qualify him to be a GM. You can't say things like you just you just probably tore the hearts out of your entire fan base. Like that is so unfair to Kings fan. I feel so bad for all of them. Go definitely. ahead. Your no, thoughts. no, definitely. No, no, no. I, I completely agree. Obviously, you know, there is a um, there's a lot of inexperience. Uh, Vivek's problems with uh, being an owner well documented. Vladi is inexperienced. Um, you know, I, I there was a lot of stories about him not fully understanding all of the clauses in the CBA when he took the job and, and you know, stuff like that. And this is this has been the Kings, right? They've been dysfunctional for years now. And uh, I think this is the byproduct of it. If if even in the worst case scenario, maybe a more functional organization instead of getting, you know, like you said, 30 cents on the dollar, maybe they get 50 cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. But it's just this is it this is the pattern of dysfunction this is where you know you you need to have a very competent front office a very competent organization a very competent owner those are the things that help everything and and that that includes the return for a deal like uh, like this one yeah and i mean it just seems like you went from a really bad situation to a really really bad situation like there's no upside yep. here i just can't see it maybe Excuse me. Maybe Buddy Hield. Let, let, listen. Let's hope against hope that Buddy Hield really turns out to be the real deal. Yeah, for Kings fans. Yes. Seriously, I like I. What a what a tortured fan base. I mean, the only other fan base I can think of that is so tortured would probably be the New York Knicks with that train wreck that's happening right now. That's um, so true. Um, but man, I just it's it's the timing of it, and like even Demarcus Cousins seems like. I mean, okay. Did you see the uh, after after the All Star game? comments that were made they were like his i guess it was his agent or his uh, team personnel whispered in his ear while they were oh, interviewing right. him yeah, about yeah, yeah, and he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like i love new orleans it's, i'm having right. a great time but right. you know i think it's come out since that he was kind of like he was kind of struck i think he really wanted to stay in sacramento and i i think he really he really liked it there listen he might be a terrible guy in the locker room and and he might be temperamental um apparently he almost ruined nick Stouse's Stauskas completely with right, his, right, you know, right. berating him, but but everything he's done for the community says exactly the opposite. So, uh, I, it's curious to see how it's how it's going to work out with him and Anthony Davis. So, thoughts for me is that like right away it puts it puts Gentry on the hot seat as a coach, right? If he can't get those two to work together, yeah, yeah, no, I, you know, but but you have to look at it also from this perspective. Uh, Demarcus Cousins is going to be very motivated to make this work as well because if he comes to a brand new situation and he he doesn't you know improve or or isn't more of a team guy, and he's going to run out of excuses, right? It's going to be like, well, we put you next to Anthony Davis. Uh, you're in a brand new organization, so now is it you or was it the Kings that were the problem? So I think uh, you know. Obviously, there's a lot to work out here. Uh, it's not a guarantee that they make the playoffs this year. But I, I do think that for both Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, both of them were kind of in bad basketball situations for some time now. And at least they have kind of 
each other to have be like you know that superstar level player mm-hmm. who can be accountable and share the load in a productive way. So I I, I do. I, I, I see where you're coming from with Alvin Gentry, and obviously, you know, if this is a complete disaster, it will also fall on him. But I do think I'm 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 a little bit confident just because for both DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, this is like the first time where they're like, oh wow, okay, so this is a player of my caliber who I have a teammate now. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the point has also been made that like they traded DeMarcus from a really like awful organization to another really awful organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Pelicans <laughs> have been bad too. Yeah, no, yeah. Pelicans have been bad too. But I, I think at at some point it's like okay, well, we now have uh, starting you know having a, a a core three of Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis and and Boogie Cousins is a it's a really good starting point. Oh, for sure. I mean, and you're right. This is absolutely a put up or shut up moment. Like if if DeMarcus Cousins doesn't work here, if he can't work with Anthony Davis, who's seemingly like a really mild mannered, um, just really hard worker who gets along with everyone who just goes to work and, you know, a lunch pail kind of guy, I guess, um, and who's supremely talented. If he can't get along with him and make it work there. I mean, there's obvious fits with their styles of play. Right. So right. there's two big guys that need the ball. Like, yeah. and, and that might create problems, but you know, I was listening to a podcast earlier about imagine the high low with those two guys passing to one another. Right. If DeMarcus can facilitate, like he, I think he can, and he can stretch it out to the three point line, man, that could be yeah. a deadly combination there. It could be, and everyone's already penciling them in as the eighth seed. I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to do that because I think as always, like we've seen it, we saw it in LA when they got, you know, Steve Nash and, and, um, your favorite player of all time, <laughs> Dwight Howard. Dwight, yeah. Uh, that, you know, I mean, Steve Nash got injured, but it, and so did Dwight Howard, actually. But it's still, right. it takes a long time to gel. And so I'm, I'm right. not ready to pencil them in yet right. for that right. eighth seed. But everyone's already talking about, imagine watching them play the Golden State Warriors in the first round. It'd be a lot round. of fun. Oh, yeah, my God. So much fun. And, you know, honestly, I, I love this for Anthony Davis because I'm a huge Anthony Davis fan. And I want to see him get back into the playoffs. I always want to see the best players in the league make it to the playoffs. Watching Boogie Cousins and what this would be the first time we ever see him in the playoffs if they make it. That's crazy, yeah. Dude, yeah. they're they're going to be an appoint their appointment television from here on out. You have to be watching them. It's going to be agree. so much fun. So they definitely won that side of the trade. Um I don't know, any random thoughts about it? No, yeah, I I I you know, I, this is going to be very interesting because uh, DeMarcus Cousins also lost a lot of money here. It's it's easy to forget because he was in line for that that you know two hundred million dollar deal. Obviously, he's going to be making a lot of money, and and you know it, it's his next contract is going to be a really big one too. But I I do think that uh, a change was probably needed. I, I I for for DeMarcus Cousins just a change of scenery to get out of there, and he will be motivated to prove people wrong. And um you know the 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 Kings now have another long road ahead of them. And uh, but but, you know, uh, I think at the very least, we'll be interested to watch the Pelicans. And I think that's a huge win for the organization. That's true. It's a huge win for the organization. Um, yeah. And I actually, oddly, I think all eyes are going to be on the Kings now, too. Right. To see if like if Buddy Heald actually can kind of do something. They get Tyreek Evans back, which is crazy. I, I wonder, <laughs> The first thing that came to my mind when I found out who they traded, I was like, Tyreek's going back. I'm like, I wonder if he's screaming silently like, no. <laughs> no, no, I, he, he, he's probably, he's probably going to be like, oh man, although he's going to have opportunity to, uh, increase his contract, uh, value just by, you know, uh, 
he he'll be like the main guy in Sacramento for a few months at least, so we can he can at least show people what he can do. That's true, and I actually feel like he's a better player than he gets credit for at times. I mean he he's so very inconsistent, but he's also full of really good potential. I mean it's you know it's coming to that point of his age where like the potential is just. That's all it was was potential, right? I mean, you and, see and, that... and the problem is, and Buddy Hield is a little older too. Yeah, he's not. He's not. It's not. You know, he's not a super super young guy. Well, anyway, I think you need to uh, wrap it up. So, anyway, Dom, thank you so much for coming on. Plug your stuff real quick and sixteen wins and where you're just, at. And... Just yeah, just just follow me. The easiest thing is follow me on Twitter at Damanr D A M A N R. Um, I plug my stuff there. Uh, usually I'm writing on uh, either silver screen and roll for the Lakers or for general NBA stuff for, for 16 wins a ring. Awesome. Oh, I also wanted to ask you about that article that came out. The thing that the, was it Kevin Ding. Or, uh, right. Yeah. I, I haven't read it yet, but I know you were really fired up about it, but we, we need to go. So yeah, it just, just, just in general for anybody who's read that. Um, so Kevin Ding, uh, I, I really respected him. Uh, he, he was really good. That piece was basically just a Jim Buss, Mitch Kupchak hit piece. And, uh, you know, it, it was obviously very coordinated, kind of a precursor to um, the what happened today. But it, it just laid it on thick. It was it was unnecessary. It was like, you know, it was kind of stomping on their grave. And uh, I just I found it in bad taste. Yeah. As simple as that. Does it make you feel like he knew something that we didn't? Oh, for sure. I, this is all coordinated. It's a PR thing coordinated. And you know what? That That's... Uh, Magic Johnson, Jeannie Buss, they have to control the narrative. That that makes right. sense. That's what I would do. But it, it, this one went a little far and unnecessarily because if even without something like that piece and, you know, kind of some dirt thrown uh, at, at Jim and Mitch, uh, if a change was made, I don't think people would be, you know, would, people would not understand without that piece. No, I, it, it, I, I thought it was overkill, basically. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, buddy, thank you again so much for coming on. And I'm sure I'm going to have you back on again sometime soon. Yes, sir. Awesome. Anyway, um, go Lakers. Hopefully the Sixers. Yes. Get that <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I dare. I dare. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, man. Take care. Well, there you go, everybody. Damon Rangula again. Uh, thanks again, Damon, for coming on. And go check him out, guys and gals. And uh, yeah, sorry I was a little bit rambly and all over the place. We threw this together really quickly. And I'm super excited about trade deadline. Um, so I tend to, you know, squirrel around and uh, get lost in my own thoughts. Um, anyway, yeah. So I'm going to do another podcast again real soon. And hopefully my voice will be back. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you.